talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know from masterpieces to deep fried tacos. And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say, There's no telling where the guys will take you. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it twice, cause we're already. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 612, Psycho. People for years have been asking for my ex-wife to be a guest on the show. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to make a Tom ex-wife joke, but I was like, yeah, it's, I'm going to stay in my lane. I wanted to do like the music, but it's weird because with Halloween or Friday the 13th, I could tell you something. I mean, with Psycho, I could go like, rant. Rant, rant. No, like, there's, a, there's a psycho theme, but I couldn't. Oh, you I couldn't. You couldn't replicate it. I could it. go dee 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 dee. Like I could tell you, but with psycho, I don't know what I would say. I mean, that's all you got is re- is really the stabs, Joe. What is it? I mean, uh, it, I couldn't. I couldn't recreate it. But if you were, to that's play what it, I'm yeah. exactly. That was my point. I didn't say there's no music. I said I don't know what it is. <laughs> so uh, I guess let's go around the virtual table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. And joining us, special guest and horror movie expert, Ryan Terry is joining us. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me back. We just wanted somebody that knows what they're talking about for a change. <laughs> so. right we have no one here that likes horror, so it's <laughs> great that Ryan is here. <laughs> so uh, real quick, uh, shameless plugs before we jump in. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts. You can go there, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, while you're there, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And, of course, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. The group, if you're hunting for it, is called the League of Show Sharers. And if you want to become a real-life League of Show Sharers, all you got to do is share an episode. And here's what you need to do. Share an episode. I guess I set it up oh. that way, so it was really redundant. <laughs> but, uh, it's in the name. Yeah, so people who were kind enough to share an episode this week, Gabriel Lugo, Ralph Tribble, Travis Tewitt, Librarian Cynthia, Julianne Jordan, Heather Sachs, Tammy Sherman Powers, and then I just take them in the order they come in, so this just happens. Chris Sanders, Chris Falls, Chris Williams, Ron Johnson, Chris Magic Man. So, and then uh, going over to the Twitterverse, uh, we have Mike Mike and Oscar, Nerd Adonis, Colby Mack, Matt Naglia, Ryan Terry. Now, you might get some pushback from Brad High in here because you're on the episode, and I'm including you in the League of Show Shares. So just to recap, the, the Brad High in rule is you don't get credit for sharing the episode you were on. So you shared an episode you weren't on, and but now you're on, so you do get credit. That's that's we went to the judges, which is me, and that's how I rolled. So uh, also Forza Crowd, James from Geek to Me Radio, Aaron White from Feel and Film, and, and Invasion of the Remake. So thank you guys very much for sharing the show. We really appreciate it. And of course our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Real Spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get uh, all sorts of bonus content. And it helps us out tremendously, and we're greatly appreciative. So there we go. Psycho. Hit the music, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's funny. Like, we're talking about how, like, we don't know the music, 
But Alfred Hitchcock like thought this movie was a total turd until it was scored, <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I got something here." <laughs> How they did that to Halloween when they showed the uh, the Akkads, like the the initial cut of Halloween. They're like, "This isn't scary," and then the, and then Carpenter's like. Hold on a second. It'll get And then there. quickly wrote the theme. Yeah. And then put the music over there like, oh, now it <laughs> works. <laughs> and on, yeah. on the flip side <laughs> of that, <laughs> on the flip side of that, uh, from from a genre standpoint, uh, when Woody Allen first premiered Take the Money and Run, he was using like a scratch track for music. And people were like, this isn't funny. It's sad. And then <laughs> and then Henry Mancini came in and was like, hang on. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And then now they're like, here, now it's funny. And, and, and like, was. Oh, that works. <laughs> yeah. Here, this is the thing. I, I don't think this movie, we don't need to go beat by beat with this movie. I think everybody uh, has seen this. Whether you like horror, whether you don't like horror, this film uh, kind of goes past like the horror genre. Right. There's, there are some movies that exceed the genre. So, like, you might yes. not like horror movies, but if you like movies, you should like Psycho. Yes. You might not like Westerns, but you're still probably going to like the searchers or yeah I, you know. I encounter that in um in the world of academia because i'm real i'm the only horror uh fanboy in my department at the university of tampa although we do have another faculty member who enjoys fantasy and sci-fi so some of the stuff she likes uh does a little be, crossover uh what end i like but um but one of the things that i find very common uh throughout grad school and then in teaching is that, you know, Psycho gets shown in, like, all these film studies classes, even if the professor, you know, may not be a horror fan, and, and most aren't, it's a little unusual to be, uh, like, total fanboy on the academic level in that particular genre. Yeah. And so, but that film gets shown because it is not only a great horror film, it's just a great film, period. Right. And it really is. Inarguably, the shower scene is the single most studied and famous scene in all of cinema. Yeah. So, and um, I, 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 here's an interesting thing. So I, so I have a stepdaughter who loves horror movies. She'll be 14 uh, today, actually. And, happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. birthday. And, so, um, and so we watched all three of these together, and... And so Psycho 2 and 3 or 2, 3, 4? Uh, 1 through 3. 1 through 3, so, okay. Yeah, and so I, I was – and I wa- and also my 16-year-old son who is not a movie buff at all. And so I was just <gasps> kind of curious. I know that's how they rebel. Um, <laughs> uh, time. He'll, he'll come around. He'll yeah. be all right. And so uh, like he'll watch a movie, but he doesn't like have a passion for it on any level. And so uh, – and they they were not bored. They did not bitch about Psycho. Like sometimes when you go back to movies, I mean that that movie's sixty years old, right? Yeah. And so it just celebrated its sixtieth anniversary because the uh, Cinemark at Universal showed the uh, special sixtieth anniversary uncut edition, Ooh. and it it really had. Um, I, I didn't have a stopwatch with me, but. It, realistically, we're probably talking about five minutes of extra footage. No extra scenes, but hmm. you spend a little bit more time in Marion's bedroom when she's packing up. You spend a little bit more time uh, in the um, – uh, there was that one. Then there was – oh, and uh, at the swamp. You spend a little bit more time at the swamp. And so there are – uh, there was several extra minutes, probably about five. And so it's like, wow, I get to watch, you know, like – parts of this film that i've never seen before for the very first time on the big screen and i will i don't have a huge blu-ray collection i do buy them every now and again but that's one that the 60th anniversary edition is one i would like because there uh, it 
it allowed uh, some scenes that were a little on the shorter side to right. breathe a little more. And mm -hmm. I think it worked really well. And um, speaking of first time uh, watching it, when I showed it to my class this semester, uh, most of my students uh, had never seen it. I think only one or two had. And those that had never seen it before were completely blown away. And so these are uh, uh, 19, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds. Cause I teach an 8 a.m. class. So it's usually the freshmen that get that one. They don't, they don't know. So, they don't know uh, I'm surprised yet. I'm there at yeah. o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Um, but, uh, they, they, they absolutely loved it. And I half expected them to be like, yeah, cause you know, some of the other stuff I've shown you know, a handful of people like, and others would be like, yeah, whatever. But like, like unanimously, you know, this group, which had never seen it before, like, had no did not see anything coming and yeah. i watched well it's basically the rosetta stone for modern horror yeah oh absolutely it is the other thing that i think is really neat about it though too is that when you think horror you think that it's going to get into the tropes of horror and this movie really doesn't just fall into a bunch of tropes because it was so innovative and so you know one of the originals they didn't and exist yet <laughs> yeah, and and for the tropes, yeah, they, they weren't they, right, they weren't in right. So this, this created the tropes. So through a modern eye, you're thinking, oh, it's you know, if you're not that into horror, which I wasn't at the time, even more than I was now. But I'm like, okay, it's a classic. I got to see it, and then you watch it. But really, horror doesn't even start for 45 minutes. You know, like yeah. what you would no. think of as horror, uh, because Hitchcock was the master of suspense, and the all the building up that he does and you get to know Marianne you get to know the characters and the situation and what she's dealing with and so by the time you get to anything that would be uh, considered horror you know in that genre you're really halfway through the movie and so you get this great film with great shots and acting it's just beautiful film and it's so interesting and then it takes the flip it flips that switch at the Bates Motel in the shower scene and then you're on the run and it's just like this tour de force of performances and um, it, it really it, it changes gears but in the best way and so I think that's why people may set up their expectations like oh it, it's old if people don't like watching old movies and it's horror I'm not that into it but this is a classic for a reason and it's absolutely a film that every time I watch it I'm like it's a masterpiece yeah, like even if you go in, you know, knowing it's a horror movie, and really at this right, point, how right. can you not? But, uh, um, but like it lulls you into this false sense of security where you're like, oh, especially <laughs> like now that it's an old movie, it kind of works to its advantage. You're like, oh, okay, it's an old movie, and what was horror movie? What was a horror back then isn't the same thing as a horror now, and it's gonna be this girl on the run, and okay, and like I don't really know why they call it that, but I guess it was the '60s, and holy. Because they just stabbed her in the face. You know, well, not even not even that. Like it's it's Janet Lee. Like she she's a she's a massive name at this point, right? And and Hitchcock kills her in the first thirty minutes. And yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, and maybe you could help me with that. I've uh, I've never spent a lot of time looking into Janet Lee's uh, filmography beyond like you know the the couple of times that she and Jamie Lee have gotten to share the screen together in Halloween H two O, and I think maybe uh, maybe one other time. And uh, Janet Lee was a guest on Murder She Wrote in an episode. Correct. Um, Correct. But I, um, I, I don't know a lot about her filmography up to this point uh, beyond knowing she was the big name, and that's why it was so shocking. But you know, maybe briefly you can uh, describe for me like uh, how or why, because I've not taken the time to really look into it. She was an MGM chick, so she was in like uh, Little Women and Angel the original Angels in the Outfield, The Naked Spur, uh, stuff like that. There so, was one before the before JGL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shocking. Oh. I know. She was also in uh, Touch of Evil. Uh, so I mean, so she, yeah, okay. she was 
and touch and of she evil. She was also married to Tony Curtis. Yeah, and touch of evil would have. Oh, been, I, I I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, and touch of evil would have been two years before this. So, um, okay. So, so I mean, yeah, she was. She. I mean, I'm. I'm. I don't know that you know she. She would could open a movie as we would say today, but she was definitely a name, you know, and been in and probably and the only stuff. name. I mean, you had Vera Miles, but I mean, out of everybody, Anthony Perkins was not a name. And he was mostly his, a stage actor before. He was, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so it's, good. It, I, it, I just so have that's, to say. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that, Kevin, He's, because it is a crime that he never really got his due post-Psycho. Well, yeah, he, he this, never really made yeah. it out. Like, he got in that role. And I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I think uh, he was in the closet. Yes, uh, he was. And that, and I mean, he ended up. But it's interestingly enough, though, he ends up married like uh so he like, does. He, he, yeah, that's where we get Oz Perkins, the director of Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah, that's right. And I think Oz Perkins is in the second one briefly. Like you see a oh, reflection really? of. Oh, is that right? You see a reflection of Norman Bates as a child. You do, and in the that's door. Oz Perkins. But um, uh, but yeah, like from what I was reading, like he didn't have his first heterosexual experience until he was thirty nine. And then it was with Victoria Principal. So, like, man, you just went straight to PhD <laughs> level stuff. Yeah. Like, that's Victoria yeah, I mean, Principal. If you're, like, you're going to do it, I mean, I guess you're yeah, going like, to like, do it right. I, I guess. guess that's what it took, you know? Honestly, makes sense. Yeah, but, um, uh, but yeah, so, and then he ends up married. And, and then, in an odd little footnote, apropos of nothing, and then his wife was quite a bit younger, and then she ended up. Uh, dying in one of the planes oh. on nine eleven. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So that's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just like oh. to suck the oxygen out of the room yeah, every once in a while. But but I will say, like he, even when we get to two and three, which two and three have their place, but in this one, like it's he's almost doing a Christopher Reeve before Christopher Reeve did it. Like he's he's able to be these two different characters uh, and make you believe. In both of them. I mean, even at the end when he's smiling at the camera, you're just like, oh, yeah, sure. he is a whack job. Oh, such a creepy yeah. smile. Which he, I mean, he's got a, he's got almost Jim Carrey face. <laughs> like his face yeah. just kind of looks very pliable. Well, it is yeah. because I will tell you what. So when I was watching this and I, I wanted to do a Twitter thread, I didn't have the time and I, I wanted to do some high quality screen caps. But I got him looking like uh, Ryan Reynolds. I could see that. He looked. Um, yeah. Who else was it? There were there were a few different people where I'm like he I could match him to looking like different actors. And so it's interesting you say that, Joe, because I think he does have one of those faces where he has so many different expressions that he can manipulate them. And it was amazing. Oh, uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon at some points when, you know. Okay. Um, I, I thought, to me, he reminded me a lot of a young Jimmy Stewart. Like, I could okay. see, yeah. had it not been for Psycho, him going down the the path of being that sort of a leading man. But mm -hmm. I know, mean, he get... was, though. Like, he had the look. He had the look to be. He, yeah. Oh, in, yeah. In, in, that, in that same breath. Of yeah. yeah. He's a handsome he dude. aged very well. Mm -hmm. He did, yeah. I couldn't, yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe that watching the other ones. You know how they were filmed so much later, and I mean, yeah, he was still in good shape. I mean, he looked healthy, uh, and he, like you said, he aged very well. But with this film, I he's so good at like what Joe was talking about with the mirror, the the two personalities, and uh, when he flips that switch because of those facial, the way that he's able to act with his face and the way that the character reacts to things, it really reminds you of how great 
great of an actor he is. And that's unfortunate yeah. that he was it, more typecast. Yeah. Because there's so much subtext to the performance. Like, even when he's, like, normal, like, yeah, you can, right, right. You can see that he's not normal, but it's not, not normal. It's, but it's not so suppressed, or or like because if he goes too far that direction, where like you don't believe that the other that the other character couldn't see it, right? So like you, you know, you still I, you still believe that this other person because they're not looking for it like we are, and so sure, 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 sure. you know, so it's like you see it as a, as a viewer, but you still believe that the other characters wouldn't see it. He seems Which is very wonder, suave and confident when he's in the beginning, when he's not rattled yeah. by oh, the yeah. police and the private detectives coming around and the people coming around. He's very calm. Uh, I think he's very much like a who is it? Is it Ted Bundy? Who is the Ted Bundy was the, 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 Ted the Bundy, very handsome? Yeah. yeah so yeah. he's yeah. he's very much in that realm of like he's a handsome guy. He seemed very kind of like funny and able to carry a conversation. And so. I was thinking of it like if you talk to this guy and you didn't know who Norman Bates was, that you would be fooled by his act sure. because he, he does have that confidence and it doesn't go the other direction like Tom said. If he was like this very shy, introverted, kind of like didn't talk a lot, it would come off more creepy. But him yeah. as Norman, before he's spooked especially, does not come off in that way. So it is a flip of the switch that turns him into the other personality and he balances that very well. In real life, typically serial killers are pretty charming, right? Like that's, sure. that's yeah. how they get you. Like if they were yep. these creepy, weird looking dudes, you know, that I mean, you Charlie know, Manson. Yeah. Unless you're Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill was he was just <laughs> well, <creepy>. Buffalo Bill <laughs> when he wasn't doing the dance. I mean was a, was a handsome was a handsome dude. Uh, but, but they need to lure you in, so like they you, do, yeah. Yeah. Like that's how they do it. Well to to Tom's point real quick yeah. is just that I wonder if having to hide his sexuality added another layer to being able to hide that. That's uh, you know what I mean, like yeah. no, I, in, in his in his real yeah. in his real life world, having to hide his sexuality probably added brought something different to that role that I didn't think about until you just said that. Yeah, where he has to mm. he has to hide that psychotic side as like well, like the, the dark side, yeah, yeah. without knowing, without knowing mm. that he was. I mean, well, I'm, I take that back. He probably <laughs> didn't know that he was hiding something, but yeah, not realizing what yeah. he was bringing to the role. So, yeah, we could breeze through it. So. Uh, we're introduced to Janet Lee played uh, or Marion Crane played by Janet Lee. Pretty simple. She works at a bank. Uh, she's not really content with her life. She's got a boyfriend, Sam Loomis. Uh, obviously, we now know. Is that a Halloween? Did he Halloween get that name? Yes. Yeah, okay. yes. And then yeah, Wes, and, yeah, that's where Dr. Loomis gets his name. I figured. And then, and then Wes, Car Wes Carpenter, Wes Craven <laughs> took the same name and Billy Loomis from yeah, I was going to say, there's a Loomis after. in all the, in yeah. these different yeah. movies. Okay. There is. So that's, that's the thing is like Psycho paved the way for everything. Yeah, it's so iconic. Wes Craven, Carpenter, all those guys to the point where I think Steve Miner ended up putting Janet Lee in Halloween H2O. And as Jamie Lee Curtis's secretary, mm -hmm. and she's driving when the you see her, walk, she's driving yeah. the same car. Inside. And they get the music oh, wow. too. There's a they little do. bit of the psycho score yeah. as yes. she's getting into and it. So I a real a real quick oh, footnote yeah. for that car. Uh, it's the same car that uh, that the that the Cleavers drove. Oh really? On Leave It to Beaver. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe like, it was like the their actual same car. car. It was all shot on the. All yeah, you know that's what I mean. It was, it's the exact same car, not make oh, a model. Exact... It's the exact oh, same car. Oh wow, yeah. that is so cool. Yeah, and, there, <laughs> and there's also another movie. Uh, there's a Humphrey Bogart movie. I think it's The Desperate Hours. Uh, that's actually shot. It's really weird to watch. Someone who watched Leave It to Be. The whole movie takes place. He's like a an escaped convict who kidnaps a family within their own home, and but the home is. The Cleavers, the Cleavers home. house, and, yeah, and so, and it was made like, and like, and 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 the the they use the same car again. It's it's Ward's car in the driveway, and so it's like if you watch Leave It to Beaver, you're like, this whole movie's taking place in the Cleavers house. It's actually you know in the, it. it's in the same world. Yeah, it's really weird. So. Yeah, psych- I guess that's why they got the house. The base motel yeah, is yeah, on right. sale. So yeah, so she's she's not really content. She's got this boyfriend Sam, um, who I can't tell. I don't. Do they ever explain why they're sneaking around? I'm. Well, I don't know if it had to do with something at the time. The fact that he was going through oh, his divorce. He was married. Was he? Yeah, uh, he is either married or going through his. Well, divorce. he's paying alimony, so he's. That's divorced. what I'm saying. Like yeah. he's paying. Yeah. He's paying alimony, so he's divorced. So I just. I don't just, think they're I, sneaking around. Way. I think he travels, and I think that they don't live together, and so they meet up at these <laughs> hotels on her lunch hours. Like yeah, it's, he's. She's in L.A. and he's in Fairvale, and so they're they're in different they cities. At, so they meet in Phoenix. No, no. She oh, she's in Phoenix. in Phoenix. That's right. Yeah, he lives in Fairvale, and so they, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Yeah, and so okay. they okay. they have to meet. The, apparently, in, there's in another version of the script, or maybe it's the book. They they met on a cruise. That's why that they. Oh. That's how they know each other. But they don't live in the same yeah. city. <laughs> so, but and that's the thing. I wanted to meet on the Orient Express because Anthony Perkins was in the original. That's right. <laughs> the Orient Express. That's right. So they could have so, met there. <laughs> the, but I think I think in the book, I think in the book the the description of Norman is not anywhere near Anthony Perkins. No, he's like oh. short and to, fat and weird looking, and like yeah, it's like oh. everything. Hitchcock, Hitchcock yeah. had to fight to get. Perkins into which that is role. such a better choice than having <laughs> yeah, because yeah. again if it's obvious if you go to this hotel and there's a creepy dude there you're gonna be like oh a creeper but he gets to be in that serial killer type role where he's so charming and handsome and and doesn't let anything on you know as he's controlling it so well and he doesn't even I mean he doesn't even have control I mean they, you know, as mm-hmm. an actor he does a great job with both but Norman Bates doesn't you know, he doesn't tap into that personality. It takes over him and he becomes the other personality. So it's not even like right. he's trying to hide it, quote unquote. He's just, you know, he's Norman Bates until he's not. Until he's not. Until he's Norma Bates. Uh, and then it's interesting. Like, I think the as much as we give crap to the remake, I think the casting of Vince Vaughn is kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like Vince Vaughn has that kind of like dopey quality but we've seen before if you've never seen uh, i think it's like cell block 66 where he turns on a dime and obviously there's this new one coming out called freaky which is the oh i can't wait for the that body, the that body looks, serial looks killer so body good. Heard movie. That looks so fun uh, i think the, the casting of vince vaughn is yeah. very interesting and that's one of the high points of that movie is he norman yeah, Bates? I, i'm actually in yeah, terms of yeah. the, the gus van zandt remake i i've never come down really hard on the casting choices i like the cast i mm-hmm. it's a good it's i a just very good cast. i don't like anything else about it but i no. think that <laughs> and hesh William h macy julian moore actually julian moore vince Vaughn. they were in lost world together and they psycho at, and they had to have been filmed mm-hmm. at the same time or uh you know one right after the other but uh, uh that was uh kind of uh uh which i thought was really neat 
And then, of course, Julian Moore in that same year was also Boogie Nights. So she was like – She was uh, on fire. She was on fire that year. But I, I like the casting choices in the remake. It's a, it's a dumb just, move. It's unnecessary. It's just, it's made, it's completely he unnecessary. made a shot-for-shot shot remake because he thought, you know, people yeah. don't want to watch black and white. You know, like, I can't change it, but, hey, now we can update it in color. Yeah. It's like, why? Why would you do that? I, I, I he sent really, a picture. He really was the Vince Vaughn choice. I, I was – he did uh, he did very well – and and I feel he he went into it in terms of the performance with the right approach and with the right heart because it, it shows. I think he yeah, did a very yeah. good job. I sent a picture to the guys is the, the the cop that they cast in the remake is James Remar. And if you look at the cop is side by side with the, the cop that mm-hmm. finds um, Mary on the side of the road, they look identical like. It's because the casting, because the movie is an identical <laughs> shot for shot remake. So, so James Remar looks just like that yeah. cop. So, so yeah, so she, she works for like a real estate agent and there's a, a high roller that comes in. It's going to drop like 40, 40 grand, which is $40,000, about $350,000 in today's money. <laughs> well, I was going to say in the remake, they jack it up to 400,000 because they're yeah. just like, that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> so the her boss marion crane's boss is kind of like that we can't do a transaction like that um go put that money in tells norma or norma tells uh marion uh marion to go to go put the money in the safety deposit box so marion decides to hell with it and just goes on the run she takes the she gets herself packed up she gets uh the she takes the cash there is the the cameo of Hitchcock in this movie is as soon as Marion comes back into the building, Hitchcock is standing outside the window. No, it's, it's before it's the guy comes in. The, it's the before mom. the guy comes in. Is that what it is? Cowboy hat standing uh, standing outside. But think of her work schedule. She probably got to work at nine. <laughs> it's a long lunch hour, so I'm going to guess it's at least an hour and a half, if not two hours. So she goes to lunch at, we'll say, noon. She gets back at two. Then she has her headache. And then she at leaves. 15. <laughs> and then she leaves. I mean, what a work schedule. Yeah. And the guy's just like, yeah, that works. Sure, go ahead. Get out of here. Meanwhile, the other uh, secretary. Yeah, she's been yeah, there all yeah. day. No yeah, one's uh, Hitchcock's, uh, right, right. That's Hitchcock's, Hitchcock. Hitchcock's Yeah, that's Hitchcock's daughter. daughter yeah. yeah. No one's hitting which on is, her. It's like, she's not having right. I know, yeah. and he gives her the line her basically. Wedding ring. What's oh, a, which is yeah. a good line. I do like that line where she's like, oh, no, it's the wedding ring. I'm like, or it's Janet Lee. Whatever. Uh,. But imagine giving that line to your daughter. That's a little mean. <laughs> You're going to be the ugly one. I got a great line for you. Yeah, you'll be fine. Don't even worry. So about she it. goes on the run um, with the money, and she it's what is it? It's she's tired, so she uh, well she pulls a, she pulls a uh, sleeps on a, side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she pulls a butch from uh, Pulp Fiction, where she, her boss kind of like walks in front of her car. Oh yeah, uh, and he's like they both look at each other. I'm just like, you know that her boss had a ball gag in his mouth, and he's. <laughs> <laughs> So, so oh, she gets be- to before we leave Phoenix, though, uh, real quick, I uh, was uh, out in Phoenix in 2017 for my sister's college graduation. And I uh, got there before my family because I wanted to take myself on a psycho uh, tour of the city. And so I found all the locations as close as I could get in 2017 to where Hitchcock would have set the camera and uh, and uh, framed each of the shots. And I actually got pre- I got a. Uh, I found the, uh, the, the the barrister building in real life is what stood in for the hotel building. And there's some high rises where the camera would have been back at the, uh, back at the time. But I went into one of the high rises to the management floor of, of the building. I said, hey, you got this uh, uh, the 
not balcony or whatever the viewing deck or whatever like uh, at this part of the building it said but this is like hitchcock would have been on a smaller building on this block shooting this direction and i really want to recapture that shot so i went through downtown phoenix recapturing those shots and and you can actually get pretty close today and framing many of those same shots that's that you pretty get, awesome that you get uh, of cool. uh, the phoenix skyline it, it, it was i cool. i had a blast and yeah. so but my family thought it was a little weird, but like, what? This is, this is fun. They should so be used I, to that I, by I had now. a blast. Yeah. <laughs> but if so, you went hunting, uh, no one would think twice of it, right? Yeah, like right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but because you're trying to find some some cool locations, you're the weird one. It's like, right. this is like uh, I always say, donuts for breakfast. That's cake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, s- somehow we justify, oh, you can't, oh, pizza for breakfast is weird. I know you do it, Joe. Don't have to comment. But, but oh, I'm just I, saying, I, I people are like, yeah. oh, I've had pizza for breakfast. I know, I know. Yeah. But <laughs> what I'm saying is people are like, oh, you got to have cereal or donuts for breakfast. But if you eat pizza <laughs> or if you have fried chicken left over for breakfast, it's weird. But you can eat. Hey, chicken and waffles. <laughs> that is like crap. But you can eat, but you can eat <laughs> cake every day for breakfast. And no one will say anything because it's in a circle. Well, your doctor will, but you know, yeah, yeah. So she she goes on the run, and as she's on her way, uh, she realizes she's not she can't make it. So in the rain, so she pulls over. She sees the the lights of the Bates Motel. She pulls over, um, and we're introduced to Norman, and it's like he's he's got such a. I think the lankiness comes into play much like in two and three. Like in this one, he's just kind of tall and skinny. There's something about the way that he aged and his the way his body changed in two and three that make him look lankier and like bonier. Maybe he just lost. He's just weight. a thin I guy. Know. I think that's how he's built. He's yeah. a very tall thin, thin guy. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that's true. He's. I mean, he's a young guy in this one, so I'm sure he's probably in fairly good shape. So he's filled out a little bit more. But we're introduced to Norman, and he's kind of odd but still kind of sweet like he he, i mean it's tough when you have janet lee walk into a scene and he has the right reaction like he's immediately kind of like whoa yeah you know there's the uh, given where the hotel is he probably doesn't see a woman that looks like that very often (laughs) he Um, hardly sees anyone in general i guess that's true sees anybody except for his wrinkled spoilers wrinkled corpse of a mother oh that's um, not a very nice way to describe her joe <laughs> i mean if you want to talk about olivia hussey we can do that because she's in part four uh so it's it's a completely normal relationship first meeting like he's a little awkward which makes sense but there's nothing sinister yet um i will say one of the shots that as as i watched it this second time that i thought was really interesting is Norman sitting in the back parlor with the stuffed owl Mm -hmm. over his shoulder Mm -hmm. and like owls are natural predators. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a brilliant shot. Like I never noticed that until just now. There's a whole bird motif throughout the throughout the entire film from uh, the uh, the taxidermied birds Mm -hmm. there in the parlor. You have the picture of the birds on uh, that falls down when he went. Her name is Crane. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Her name is Crane. Yeah. So we a uh, whole motif of birds as well as eyes. And the, the motif of birds and eyes goes together because it's like bird's eye view of Phoenix, the eye of the shower, the eye of the shower drain, the cop's eyes, mother's ever watchful eye. So you have uh, this motif of eyes. And we often associate uh, eyes with birds because birds, uh, uh, the just the very nature of their being makes them uh, have this uh, sort of... Uh, observant nature to them uh, and being able to watch everything and so i love how we play around with 
this manifestation of the idea of eyes and we and we manifest it through birds and then through framing of different shots and the, and the great match cut later on in the shower and so I uh, so the birds really really important uh, in particular the one you just mentioned uh, with the owl because they're uh, they're nocturnal this is happening at night you know and they're predatory and they're they're largely um, I, I, oh, I can't think of the right word, uh, but they're, uh, we don't, we don't see them very often. And so they're just, they're, they're there, they're everywhere. Every region of the country has their version of an owl. We, we don't see them. They're just kind of always lurking in those liminal spaces. They're very, very sneaky. Just off to the side. They're yes. very, but they're, but they're also, I think they're birds that are natural predators, but we never think of them that way. Mm-hmm. We think of them as like, oh, they're just cute owls. You know, they're just like, you know, they're, they're, they're the nighttime birds. I don't know. If you look, they, they always look angry. Their eyebrows are pointed <laughs> down like this. So I don't know. I mean, if you actually look at their face, they always look like they're going to kill you. But you never think that they have like the sharpest talons or things, you know, things of that. Well, maybe you don't. Don't turn your back I on them, Joe. I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's and don't true. get but anywhere you know, near one with a lollipop. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Three. By the yeah, way, how many takes, licks apparently. does it does it take? Oh, that's right, it is three, isn't it? Three. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, you only get only one, two, right? One, two, and then a crunch. It's two. Yeah, so. it's one, two. So, um, one of the things that is great in any Hitchcock film, he had some great camera angles. Uh, yeah, he he really time. does some amazing camera. And never work. an over the shoulder shot. And none of Hitchcock's films will you ever find an over the shoulder shot when two characters are in dialogue. There you go. So, it, well, he framed things a lot like a play, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of in a lot of ways. But what really impressed me watching this movie again and studying it is all those different camera angles and especially the one in the house the overhead up the stairs mm-hmm. i love that shot. shot and when i watch the first episode of base motel and they go up the stairs and they don't do that i'm like who the hell directed this and who didn't do an <laughs> homage to that shot it's so stupid they just, didn't just keep going because keep but going. that's such an iconic shot i'm like when they walked up the stairs they should have introduced that because i was waiting for it like that's the shot right there but i love that how uh the way that he frames it because you're in a tight space right in the bates house you're going up the stairs that kind of like immediately go up and to the left or right in that little hallway and so it's very crowded but the way that he does the overhead of it allows you to see it in a Mm -hmm. in a in a better way and also it's creepier right because you're watching people from overhead you can't Mm -hmm. see faces which comes into play when you don't know who the mother is and what's going on so it allows you to hide that and build the suspense while also be very interesting to watch and so i enjoyed seeing all those different angles throughout the film and i also think in real in real time when this movie came out the with the whole kind of hiding the mother's faces i think the viewer was expecting some what we would now call stunt casting like they thought sure, sure. he had because like on all the still shots from the set like they had a director's chair that said Mrs. Bates on it like that had all, they had director's chairs with all the cast names on it character names and there was one that said Mrs. Bates on it but they never would reveal who was playing her that's and cool. so ah. and so people were expecting it to be some big name when you finally saw her and they had like leaked uh, names of people who it might have been, and like it, and, if, and then also if you look at the promotional shots from the film, you have pictures on the set, and you see so many people, a uh, character, uh, like actors from the film that are sitting in in the chair that says Mrs. Bates, but you never see Anthony Perkins in that chair. Oh, that's pretty. <laughs> that's slick. awesome. Yeah, that's and pretty. So awesome. the uh, the individual who plays Mother there in the uh, in the shower scene was. Um, uh it was a a woman on set who was she 
she was I forget her role on set uh but it's uh because Anthony was shooting uh shooting he was um uh either rehearsing for or in a Broadway show when they shot the shower scene and so mm. it's actually uh it's another woman from the set who wow. uh mm. who actually uh, uh plays that part that's crazy to think I, that I, wasn't I forget him. her role on the set uh the uh Ben Mankiewicz mentioned it on the 60th anniversary screening that I I saw the other week but it, it was a woman on the set who worked she was on the crew I just wish I could remember yeah, what she just did. filled and in. She, yeah, she filled in. Wow. And that that house still exists, right? Like Universal still has that. It's house. on the Universal tour. Like you could when you go yeah. take the tour of the Universal lot, yeah. it's it's there. It's to That's this cycle. Cool. I think it's we were just talking about I was talking about that with a buddy and I think that and the Myers house are both like the original houses are still in existence. I think the Myers house is somewhere it's in Los uh, Angeles. In, yeah, there we go. But it's just like that. Those are two very yeah. famous horror houses that still And don't exist. forget 1428 Elm Street, which you can also visit. That's still there, too. LA. But that's yeah. like an actual house, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So just to fast, we all know what's going to happen. Um, rant, rant, rant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Janet, Janet I thought it was. Takes, that's the other. <laughs> I thought it was interesting the amount of detail that goes into to that. What seventy seconds in the movie? If that to put yeah. it in perspective, they had uh, they had uh, Janet Lee for she shot in this movie for three weeks. One yeah. of those weeks was the shower scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, so a I think third there's, of there's her time room. was spent on like sixty. <laughs> and seconds I think it's film. seventy or ninety shots. It, it's something crazy. It's yeah. like, it's seventy shots, ninety shots, some just outlandish number. All for forty five, fifty, maybe sixty. I don't even think it's a minute long. Yeah, but and no, so it's, it's, it's not. like like forty five seconds. But yet that forty five seconds is comprised of it. It was like seventy or ninety you know, different takes. It's just, it's just mind blowing. But doesn't she have a body double too? Oh, I don't know. I know she always uh, contests it. She always, it always she, is one of those she things. She said where... she didn't, but I think in later years it revealed that they, they did. I think that there was a, a, yeah. a, a stripper that they I'm got. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cause she, yeah, it was one of those things where she always said that it wasn't, but then I was like, I'm pretty sure it came out that it was. So yes. it's weird to think that out of all that filming and everything that she wasn't even in all of it. So right. like, <laughs> did you ever see the movie Hitchcock? Yeah, yeah I which did. is the yeah. like the basically the making of this movie, mm-hmm. and it's funny that they got Scarlett Johansson to be Jen or Jennifer Jason Lee uh, to play Janet Lee. And I don't remember who play, it doesn't matter, yeah. but of course they got one of the most beautiful women in Hollywood today to play Janet Lee. Um, so yeah, so th- days go by, and um, we find out that Marion's sister, played by Vera Miles, has begun to worry, like. Marion hasn't shown up. This is the other um, interesting thing about this movie. Halfway through, you switch your main characters. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you get rid you of fall, it. I mean, you've got Marion Crane for the first 45, 50 minutes. Then you get the shower scene. And then it becomes about Sam Loomis and her sister, who you've never even seen the sister before this. Who will get into like one and like two and three, but like Sam switches sisters pretty quick. It yeah. Does. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we'll get into that later. It's really interesting how you switch the characters like that. And, of course, the audiences were famously bait and switched. And that's why the whole you can't go into the movie after it starts thing and all that. It changed it, cinema. It changed, like it changed, yeah. Like, yeah. So it's interesting that it does that. And it, it works so well. Like, I mean, not having an attachment to Janet Lee, not having her be a star of the time whenever you watch the movie for the first time and modernize, you know, it doesn't bother you. You're just like, oh, that's interesting. But then you get the new characters and you're like, oh, wow, this movie's going in a whole different direction. And I like right. all the characters that you follow. I, I think they're, they're all good. Yeah. yeah every, everybody's in, even, I mean, even the, the smaller characters. The private eye. He's good. The private yeah. eye. Yeah. So we, so Mayor, so 
uh, Vera Miles is at the police station. And we find out this. So she realizes that they're trying to trace uh, Marion's steps. So now the 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 place where she worked, where Marion worked, has hired a private investigator. Arbogast, right? Arbogast, who... Uh, Arbogast. Arbogast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, because the, because this business is out 40 grand, uh, they want to know where it is. So, <laughs> and I like how way. the owner of the bank, even though the cowboy guy that gave him the forty grand, you know, was in the, at the business, gave him the money. The business owner on the phone when she's driving and they're doing yeah. that, either like, her hey, that's not my fault. Yeah, he's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not taking responsibility for this. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, I gave you at your business four hundred thousand dollars, and you're saying, oh, not my fault. I don't think not that's how fault, that yeah. works. Yeah. One, one, two, one, two, three, not it. Good yeah. luck with that. I just thought that was interesting. That he's like, well, I said I was worried about it, so I'm not taking responsibility. <laughs> Right, okay. right. So I think Arbogast starts to like put it together. So he gets out to the hotel first, uh, and is like, and and it talks to Norman, and he's like, "Man, I, like this is off." Well, Norman like, whole- is so charming, and and he's able to pull the wool over everybody's eyes that he interacts with. But this guy, being a private Until detective, he meets Arbogast. He, yeah, he he's able to actually pick up on these clues, and so it's nice to see. Well, someone he kind of actually- gets him. He gets him rattled. Like that's when yeah. the facade yeah. starts to drop because he starts asking some pointed questions that right. he doesn't have answers for. Yeah. And or, then Norman he, contradicts himself. Nobody's here in weeks. Oh, there was a couple the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the detective work, right? So yeah. it's great to see that he picks up on those. And then he just digs deeper and deeper and deeper. And Norman starts to unravel. And yes. you, he's usually so calm and collected. And you start to see him get worried and sweat. And uh, you really see that's for the first time the characters start to act like that. But he tries to hire the guy, and he needs help with Lennon Day. So he's still willing, he's still <laughs> willing right. to <laughs> give, him, give him a job. Stick around and do a little well, work. He's doing that whole, you know, he's not protesting him looking around. Oh, yeah, sure, follow me around, right? Like, oh, well, if he offers, then he must be innocent, and uh, yeah. this guy's not falling for it. No. <laughs> no. So uh, Arbogast takes off, calls the sister, and just says, look, I'm going to go back up there. Something's not right. So he goes back, uh, goes into the house, and this is the uh, infamous scene where all of a sudden – the the music cue picks up and I mean like it's almost it's very reminiscent of Exorcist three when uh, the the sheeted individual comes darting mm-hmm. out of a corner um, again probably a major influence from Psycho it has to be I don't know how it can't be um, and you know sort of stabs Arbogast like it's very uh, this is one and I think this is one of the scenes that almost takes me out of the movie and it's become very famous where. Arbogast kind of acts like he's falling and they have like a screen behind him that's moving and so like Arbogast isn't moving yeah. anywhere but like the screen is oh, moving it's great. to make it look like he's it's, falling. That's, it's, I mean I don't have a problem with falling it, down the like, stairs with the, yeah, the moving <laughs> screen. Oh that's wonderful. Wonderful movie making right there. It's a right, product right. of the time but it's I always love is. that when it's like the oh and there's a I, yeah. <laughs> you, I wanted it to happen to Robert Loja but that does not happen. Robert Loja. <laughs> Robert Loja. Um, <laughs> so when Arbogast is, is killed um, so now, uh, Vera Miles and the guy that plays Sam Loomis are like, man, this guy's supposed to call us back. Well, this guy thinks Sam hasn't. Loomis is in on it because you know his girlfriend stole forty thousand, right. and and right. uh, he starts poking around, and then he realizes, which makes sense, yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, it's, it's a it's a fair theory. Yeah, yeah no, I, mean? it, 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 I, I would totally, think it totally. too. Yeah, yeah. So so he's like, hey, wait here an hour. I'll be right back. I'm going to go check follow these leads. And so Vera Miles starts getting all worked up because she's like, he said an hour, and she's rightfully freaked out because it's her sister. Her, sister. her sister's missing, right? And so there, he said he was at the Bates Motel and checking it out, and now they haven't heard from him. She's taking it upon herself to go investigate. So finally, her and Sam drive up there and kind of act like a couple. Uh, and they, I take that back. They go to the sheriff's house first Mm -hmm. and they kind of, the sheriff's like, stop, leave that kid alone. Like he's been through enough. And they kind of hint that they're like, they mentioned the, the quote unquote troubles, uh, that Norman had. We'll find out what that is later. Um, but they say, actually, I don't think we find out what it is until four, but I think, well, the, the psychologist gives us a bit of a, God does he ever the exposition dump <laughs> yeah. at the uh, at the very end. That's true. That's true. Uh, uses some terminology. A bit, yeah, a bit okay. of an exposition <laughs> dump. But uh, they they mentioned that Arbogast was going to in- talk to the mother, and that's what sets the judge off. I'm right. Like, Mrs. Bates has been dead for ten years or whatever. Yeah. There's no. There's no women yeah. up there. Uh, so and she the, was buried so, in a periwinkle, periwinkle blue dress. Oh, lovely! That, they did mention yeah. that, which I thought was. I'm like, all right, it's very specific. Like, <laughs> I feel like that might come back later. Yeah. Um, so Vera Miles and the and Sam. I can't think of what that character's name is. Who, um, Sam? Sam's the character is Sam. No, no, no. Vera Miles. Oh, uh, Lila or something. Lila, like? Lila. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Lila and Sam go up to the Bates Motel. And they start their own kind of like investigation. They act like a married couple. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, they do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Spoilers for Psycho 2. Um, so Sam starts to poke. Like they realize that Norman goes up to the house and Sam starts to poke around. Uh, and Norman, again, much like that owl, sneaks in behind him and smashes Sam in the back of the head and knocks him out. Um, and then Lila heads up to the house. And she just she can't find anything. She's running. You know, she sees Norman come back in the house. She's hiding in the cellar. Um, She turns the light on in the cellar. And of course, there we see the back of Mrs. Bates. And this is I I can only I wish I wish I wish I could have been in a theater (laughs) with an audience with who had no idea what was coming. Like the one reveal and then the second reveal. Well, sure, yeah, both yeah. reveals. You know, like, like so. Here's my question. Happens- I I know that like everybody talks about this as kind of the first horror movie. Is this the first movie with big giant twist? Like, I'm trying. It has. I'm to trying be. to think of something that predates it where they just completely pull the rug out from under uh, you. I I mean I can't think of any, yeah. uh, but it, it certainly. Uh, Whereas it's not the first horror film, it is the first modern horror. Sure, film. that's so what we, I. We, yeah, we, we we usher in the 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 modern era. Yeah, um, but um, I can't. Let me tell you, actually. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> the earliest use of a device as a twist ending in a murder mystery was the Three Apples, a medieval Arabian Nights tale, where the protagonist Jafar bin Yaha discovers the chance uh, by chance a key item towards the end of the story that reveals a culprit behind the murder to have been his slave all along. Oh, hey, spoiler, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, that was in my queue for this week. Yeah. I'm not even gonna watch it now. Uh, <laughs> but I'm but sorry, so, I just know all this stuff. I don't know. But what from a know. Fil- from a film standpoint, like I mean, obviously there have been books and stuff that yeah. had done it, but um, but I don't know that this is a massive twist. Yeah, yeah. like this isn't like a gotcha. 
you know, I mean, it's if not, it's, it's not, not like... the first one, if it's not the first one, because there was, you know, 60 years of films before yeah, this, it was sure. probably like, like the first like big, like commercial. Right. Big one. Yeah. To the, to the, like, like we said, to the point where the warning was put in place that said, once this movie starts, you're not allowed into the theater. Like we've said a, a billion times on this show is that the way movies were seen back then is people would just walk in and out of a sit theater willy nilly, yeah. yeah, and just sit down and just watch, you and know, until they caught up to where they were. And if you think about it, they probably they they had to do that for two reasons. I mean, one, they want to protect the twist of the film, but also if you walked in forty minutes into this movie thinking you were going to a Janet Lee movie, right? <laughs> you you'd think you were in the wrong movie. Right, like yeah, you'd totally. be like, "Where's Absolutely. Janet Lee? Oh, I must be in the wrong." Now you're disrupting it because you're getting up and going to a different theater, thinking you went to the wrong one. Like, yeah, yeah. what a bunch of jokes. well. Um, this uh, would you consider Citizen Kane the ending of that? That's kind of a twist because you don't Not know what like that means. That. So. I mean, that's like a reveal. Okay, I'm, that's true. You know, like I, I hear especially because, like, like honestly, like I love Citizen Kane, right? But yeah. that is one like. To me, that's like such an anticlimactic reveal because yeah. you're just like, oh, wow, it's the sled. Well, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, did, did you... <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one this one makes it very apparent what it they is. They right, like, uh, two years earlier, Vertigo. Uh, maybe. I don't know, man. Like, that's even a stri- Yeah. That's a Hitchcock mm, thing, right? Though, right? Yeah. And then I, I, that's why I love De Palma as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Like De Palma is very much body body double is very much this. Movie. Oh, sure. this movie, yeah. yeah. It's I mean it's the remake of Psycho that we kind of wanted, <laughs> but you so know. they so Sam is able to before he kills Marion, he runs in and he's able to. Well, yeah, that's him. the deal. Is the big reveal is that we see Norman in the dress. Oh yeah, spoilers. Sorry, yeah, we didn't yeah, mention. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Norman. Reveal. Norman is playing so, his mom. <laughs> but one you ruined of the Greek theater for in... us, but not this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is the way that Norman reacts as soon as Sam grabs him, like it's just I, I can't describe it. Like the way his face twists, it's almost like he's switching personalities in front of us. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just Anthony Perkins doing something with that scene. Uh, it's so, almost yeah, so like then, a, a stroke, like and that it is. Just, yeah, 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 totally. And, and it could be that the. The two personalities, which are largely uh, li- uh, are able to live with one another within his mind, are suddenly like crash into one another, and uh-huh. can't. And he, his entire body can't reconcile that these the two girlfriends that were never supposed to meet, <laughs> at, you know, they they met up. Right, and it's bad. I mean, trust me, in situations like that. <laughs> It's bad news. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, not doesn't doesn't go well. I've never had two girlfriends in the same calendar year, let alone the same day. So this is news to me. It's a good move, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> was uh, it? <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. Maybe worked, not the uh, same day, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's apprehended, and we get the he's apprehended. We we flash forward to the uh, with a psychologist. Who basically gives us the rundown as to why Norman was the way he was? Again, this is one of my biggest complaints about Hitchcock movies, um, and I love Hitchcock. The info dumps at the end, not even the info dumps, although that's lazy. But I also know it was forced on him. The studio was like, "But what about dumb people? They like movies," (laughs) Um, because he hated it and didn't didn't want to do it. Nobody wanted it in there. They're Mm -hmm. just you know, but. It was what it was. Yeah, but what yeah. I what I don't like about Hitchcock movies is, and he doesn't do it in all of them, but occasionally he does it where he kind of delves into psychology, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. 
we've learned so much since then that right. his his you know supposedly educated psychological theories that that kind of paint some of these movies when they're really spelled out you're just like well that's ludicrous what's the one with the dreams that Dalai Lama uh, da- Dalai Lama Salvador Dali did the the designs for it was very oh uh, I can't remember I don't know Salvador Dali did the designs for a Hitchcock movie? Like they oh, go yeah, into... he did. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they collaborated. Actually, Dali collaborated with both uh, Hitchcock uh, and with Walt Disney. So yeah. He, uh, oh. he, uh, he got around. He, you know, he certainly... Uh, Spellbound? You know, yeah. That's it. I think it is Spellbound. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... Okay, okay, don't act so surprised, Ryan. I'm watching Kevin look up at his mind oh, when he yes. says it. <laughs> Doing the research. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um... But yeah, so it, like, there's a lot of psychology kind of spelled mm-hmm. out in that, and then like about how what dreams mean, and you're just like, well, this is dumb. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you, it's, were, you you had me up until now, right? It's a it's a, it's a good movie, and it and it's, and it's great looking, and the, and the the dream scenes are really cool with all the the Dolly stuff. But but like at the same time, when they try to explain it like rationally, yeah. you're like, right. shut up. Just stop. Yeah, don't do that. Just stop talking. That's, he, yeah, he's just like, well, he does this, and it's because his mom did but this. But also, yeah. I think you'd have to argue, though, that at the time, I mean, because um, psychological issues were not considered the same that they are now. They're not sure. uh, taken as seriously. People aren't as caring about them. Uh, and it was really a big... Um, like a kind of a scarlet letter, you know, if, mm-hmm. if someone yeah. was openly had these issues, people would shy away instead of be more compassionate. And so at the time in 1960, to try to explain it away more so than, oh, he was a psycho killer murderer. Like the psychologist is like, it wasn't Norman. It was actually a whole <laughs> right. different personality. I think that for the time and for them to explain it like that is actually pretty neat and pretty innovative. <laughs> yeah. You can't really call him a transvestite. Though. Yeah. <laughs> That's not okay. Well, yeah. but that's, <laughs> that's but that's but, one of those. But he words said he that's, like. But he said he wasn't. No, he said though. that he was. Yeah, was, yeah. He, no, he does. But they no, I think, try to take it away I from the sexual because he's like it's right. nice. The sheriff, the sheriff makes that comment, and then the psychologist is like, whoa, 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 like that's not. What right, he, which to my point was. for 1960, yes, right. because in 1960, a, an uneducated, ignorant type of person, I mean, that people at that time, if a guy dresses up as a woman, right. I, they a would sheriff would have said, him. oh, that's a transvestite. Yeah, they would have just looked at him and like, them queers like to kill people. Yeah, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's, it's 1960, and the psychologist is like, no, actually, there's two personalities, and that was that's not... super interesting, yeah. because that ending, is it's it's kind of similar to Night of the Living Dead. Right, like Ben is the African American lead of that role, mm-hmm. uh, the hero of that entire movie, makes it the whole way through. Spoilers from Night of the Living Dead. That's such a like. And, if and you the, you don't want to spoil that if you've never seen it, because that's such a. If you've never seen it, you're a problem with society. <laughs> Come on, we all have. I didn't see it until like yeah. three years ago. Remember? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. When we what? did a Halloween episode, I'd never seen it. Oh my oh, gosh! Man. Yeah. So and it was really it. good. Like I did not. I was yeah. just like. Uh, I'll and probably edit like, some of that out. That's such a big yeah. reveal. That's so good. But it was really good. Just put I, a, I just really put a long it. chicken noise over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's on that level to me, right? Like it's uh just the way that they break down Norman. And you are and it's weird, like you do the way that Anthony Perkins plays the character, as we'll get into in the next two, is there is a there is a degree of vulnerability and likability to him that you're kind of rooting for him. Right, like not to kill anybody, but to, Norman, to yeah, be okay, sure. you know. Um, and that's kind of the way it is with that other character that I mentioned from Night of the Living yeah. Dead. 
So it's and like, we do, uh, you know, we we get that uh, that forced explanation at the end, but then we do bring it back around to a great mm-hmm. uh, closing, a fantastic ending, and and just shot. Uh, so I, I like how we we don't end with the explanation. Right. We we actually get to end how Hitchcock wanted to end the film. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll throw this in there, but we're gonna bring it back around. Him to, just staring at the yeah. camera is so creepy. That face so is creepy. great, and then the whole I wouldn't even hurt a fly. It's, and then the smile it's so psychological right? and that goes back to like the the pliable face mm-hmm, like the, mm-hmm. just just the way he smiles in that scene is unnerving yeah, iconic shot and yeah it's it's Very a great movie so. it's a classic and if you're not a horror person i would say you still need to check this out because again most of the movie is it's more of a mystery and uh the mm-hmm, horror yeah. stuff it's not like in modern eyes you're gonna be like oh my god violets i can't take it like it's <laughs> well, we only have we get the the shower scene and That's there really it. is one other violent act. So your 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 body's anticipating, your mind's mm-hmm. anticipating all these violent acts, but in fact, you only get one other mm-hmm. violent act in the film, which is which mm-hmm. is the detective. And so I think it's a, a testament to uh, to yeah, horror isn't just violence and gore. I mean, schlock is fun, but there's there's a lot more to it than mm-hmm. that. It is highly complex and very thoughtful. And this is a, it is it is it, it is a horror film. However there's only two violent acts in the whole yeah. thing, but you're, you're uh, just that it's, it's that suspension, you know, you're, you're constantly anticipating the next violent act. And so when it does happen, it's really impactful. It's heightened. Yeah. That's, it's, Oh. That's the horror that I like. As as someone that isn't a huge horror yes. buff, the ones that I do like are the ones that are masterfully executed with building up the tension, uh, heightening it through not jump scares, but the music and the performances, and really making you wait for it and look for it around yeah. every corner. And all of a sudden, boom! It hits you, and you're at it's a hot air balloon, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's what it is. That's 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 to me. That's the formula for a good horror movie. Yeah. Is you treat it like a hot air balloon where you. You build it, build it, build it, and then mm-hmm. let a little bit out, and then you build yep. it back. You know, and you just keep doing that yeah. until you reach the end. I think the term that's say, uh, used a lot today is prestige horror, and I'm yeah. not totally, it's a, it's on, I'm not totally thing. on board with with the term itself. Kind of like elevating. I hate it when people say elevating horror. It doesn't need to be elevated, but that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, but especially that is a term when where that, especially that, it doesn't is, need yeah. to be elevated when you look at where it started. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like this it's is just incredibly this is pretty progressive. Elevated. It's yeah. progressive. It's uh, I mean, it's very diverse. We 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 have leading female, strong female characters, decades, decades, decades before other genres would mm-hmm. catch up with that. And I love pointing that out to my students. Be like, this it's an incredibly progressive genre, more so than any of the others. It's just so because it, it fell it thinking. fell into B movie slasher gore. Uh, you know, horror fell into something else. But yeah. look at the movies we've talked about. When you talk about yeah. this movie, Rosemary's Baby, it they started mm-hmm. off very strong, and then they fell into the fun slasher gore yeah. B level stuff. They, they fell into they fell into the stuff that made money, right? And lots of a lots budget and lots of money. But yeah. yeah, this is. <laughs> but I will say, if you if you get the chance, I have the. Uh, um, the Shout Factory Blu-ray set, uh, and it like watching this in HD, like it is a gorgeous mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, seeing it in black and white, and just the it's a it's a beautifully remastered version. I'm sure this the 60th anniversary will look just as good. Well, that's better. It's 4K. Sure that'll be in 4K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched. The I was reading a review of it, and people were saying that like it's so clear, like you can even see like the fingerprints on the car. From when people had opened and closed the door. Oh wow! Wow. That's dope. Yeah. So. So there you go. And this movie made a Psycho. ton of money. I the, the deal that Hitchcock cut because they didn't oh. want him to make the movie. 
But he ended up. Yeah, because it starts out as a Paramount film. He's working for Paramount. We yeah. associate his name with with, with Universal because they end up buying Shamley Productions. But it was a Paramount picture, and they're like, "This is gonna flop." So yeah. we don't. <laughs> it's and it's just like, oh well, uh, Paramount looks like uh, you kind of screwed yourself over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like in, instead of his regular two hundred fifty thousand dollars, they he did it for sixty percent of the gross, and so he made he ended up making fifteen million dollars. That's not adjusted. That's fifteen million. That's nineteen sixty money. Yeah, so adjusted wow. for inflation, it would be like over a hundred and twenty million dollars was would have been his take. That dude You're, was loaded. The, he, that's it. Yeah, Game I over. Mean, I'd be like, I'm out. A hundred million from one movie profit. Like that's I got I got nothing left. Yeah, wow. so. And I also think there's one other little interesting first that this movie does. Uh, it's the first major movie to um, show a toilet flush. Yes. So. Yeah. Interesting. For, uh, yeah. They And they actually had to, like, she tears up the note and flushes it, and they wrote it in that way so they couldn't. The the it was it was <laughs> integral to the plot and they couldn't cut out the toilet <laughs> flush. There you go. You had to That's see the slick. note go away. So just thought that was. That I you know I wonder yeah, I, I don't want to delve too far but touching on that with like her and Sam are unmarried but they're fooling around in bed was this like an early example of that or was that okay like in movies to show two unmarried they were definitely like smooching and making out right too. Yeah, I think I, commercially it was it was uh, very much uh, uh, it was considered very edgy okay. for the time yeah. yeah you you would have it in other films but in terms of big commercial like hitchcock you know a huge name mm-hmm. he was also a huge individual but he was a huge name <laughs> so. well and this movie has been so the mpaa didn't rate movies in the traditional sense back then and so over the years this movie has been submitted for ratings repeatedly and it has it has been given a pg a pg-13 yep. and an r at different mm-hmm. points in time i absolutely and, believe that and it was i mean it didn't premiere on network television for like 10 or 11 years um, was it the 1980s? That I it thought was it was on? the 70s. Was like it, 70s it was. It was I TV? read that it was supposed to premiere like in the late 60s, and then uh, like a senator's daughter or something got stabbed, and then they were just oh. like, eh, "Maybe this isn't about." Never time. mind. <laughs> and then, uh, um, and so it kicked the can down the road a little bit, and I, I thought it didn't premiere on television until like 71 or 72. Which, mm. I mean, you know, talk about yeah. theatrical release windows with 100 percent of the share. <laughs> Yeah. On whatever channel it was, oh yeah, was on. Like, nothing, you know, yeah. I was like, "Grand, you had three I mean, channels." You know, people yeah. don't know. Like, people don't really remember. Like, like when a move, when a when a big movie like that would premiere on network television back then, it was a big deal. Like, I mean, the first mm-hmm. time you know one of those movies would pop up on TV. Like, I mean, it had been a lot of times four or five years since it had been in theaters. It would take a long time no to video, make that none journey. Of that, none of that stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I remember when when it, when a movie, a network, when a major motion picture was on network TV, man, like that was a big deal, and especially when it made its premiere. It's just as as I get older and more removed from that, I'm like, man, like I'm like I'm kind of on the younger end of people who remember that time frame yeah, of like, sure. oh my god, Smokey and the Bandit is going to finally be on TV, and it's like where now it's just. It's on your phone go... three minutes after it hits theaters, you know. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, well, I but guess yeah, I, this is a this is a, this is the classic flick. I, I can't recommend. Yeah, it. and I and I I think the gold standard for for a movie like this is when you can show it to a fourteen and a sixteen year old and they're still into it and not complaining. 
I feel like that says a lot. So definitely. But, uh, totally agree. Well, I guess definitely. that's it for this one. Let's go around the virtual table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts, B-U-T-T-S 21. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And uh, Ryan, where can everyone find you? Uh, everybody can find me at RLTerry1 on Twitter. And you can follow my fictional show, radio, whatever, whatever, however you guys described it in the last show. New old time uh, radio. Forza Crowd <laughs> at Forza Crowd Pod. So uh, my personal one is RLTerry1, but you can follow my podcast, uh, Forza Crowd Pod on twitter as well and we'll try to get amazon to make that into a movie for you <laughs> yeah but hopefully a better one <laughs> yeah. yeah it was uh, and then yeah. <laughs> and then you can uh find me on twitter at roger kubert or on facebook at facebook.com slash tom o'keefe you can find the show online facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there like the page join the group and of course don't forget our patreon patreon.com slash real spoilers so that's it for this one coming up with the next one uh, Ryan will return to help us discuss Psycho 2 and 3 until then you've been warned get ready for a spoiler won't say it twice cause we already warned you better watch out it's gonna ruin the plot real spoilers real spoilers Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.